And I'm Genevieve. Welcome to Let's Adult, the podcast designed to ask the question, are we adulting yet? Join us every Tuesday where we will be discussing the trials and tribulations of adulting in the modern world. We will be sharing our personal stories of all those not-so-cute messes we've made along the way. You can find us streaming now on Apple Podcast, Google Podcast, and Spotify. The Halloween candy is gone. Um, we've devoured it all. Destroyed. It's destroyed, yeah. It's destroyed. Remnants of wrappers and the massacre and evidence is maybe still lingering. Um, so I feel like it's the perfect time to ask, what's uh, what's your next holiday looking forward to treat? I don't really have any. Unfortunately, because I I'm in a recovery program that uh, where I I have chosen not to eat flour or sugar, <clears throat> excuse me, so that I can maintain uh, sanity around my body image and my weight. Uh, so I I don't have any, but I will say that before I went into recovery, I would purchase a pumpkin pie as soon as they would come out in the stores and have pumpkin pie for breakfast. Until the pumpkin pie went away, <laughs> whatever that was, 12 weeks or whatever. When and, did, when's the earliest you've seen pumpkin pie? Because I feel like the grocery stores start like September. September. Right? Yeah. So I have to personally create an own, my own rule for myself <laughs> to not purchase eggnog until after Halloween <laughs> because those a-holes start putting it on the shelf at the start right. of October. Who needs right. eggnog in the start of October? <laughs> this guy. But, yeah. You know, I promise- <laughs> Lots of <laughs> need or want <laughs> different things. Yes, very true. So I have to tell myself not until after Halloween is over. Um, mm-hmm. And so it stands to reason and comes as no surprise that there's eggnog in my fridge right now. So <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Um, it, it's been my favorite thing ever since I've worked at Pete's Coffee and Tea. I have been obsessed with eggnog. And this is going to sound weird because you know, eggnog lattes are a thing. Um, it's a little too heavy for me. I just like a splash of eggnog in my iced coffee and I will drink that almost every morning from now until January 1st. For sure. For (laughs) sure. I, there's this, there's a, um, clip on Parks and Rec. Did you ever watch Parks and Rec at all? I did, but you know, there's this kind of thing where you either like The Office or Parks and Rec better, and The mm-hmm. Office is certainly. Well, I liked them both. Um, yeah, I mean, I watched them both still, but there's this one scene where um, the guy who's really healthy—I don't remember his name—but anyway, oh, yeah, he he drinks a cup of eggnog, and he's like, "Holy crap, this is the best eggnog I've ever had!" And then his partner is like, "Oh my god." I want you to breathe, stay still because that's full fat eggnog. And <laughs> I was, and I remember the first time I saw that episode, I was like, wait, who the hell would buy or drink non-fat or diet eggnog? Like, yeah. what is that even? You're that's wrong. Yeah. That's wrong. I don't mean to be judgmental. <laughs> no, I don't want to judge people and their food choices because I don't like it when it happens to me, but I feel like that's that's just wrong. Yeah, it's, you know, we're going to talk a lot about food in this episode, but I have to agree with you. Um, My personal approach is always, you know, enjoy the real thing, everything in moderation. Um, And it just allows you to appreciate it for what it really is. And Mm -hmm. 
is that special thing for you and it keeps it that way um, and keeps it kind of in a limited capacity, right? Like I can't have eggnog until after Halloween. So, you know, I'm not going to be drinking it from <laughs> end of September, yeah. o- October 1st, the whole time. Um, but yeah, I like these, I like these little obscure rules that we have, you know, that Very I can odd. drink as much eggnog as I want, as long as it's fat free, or I can't drink eggnog until November 1st, right. but then I'm going to drink a gallon a day. Or for me, you know, it's like, well, I'm just, I'm just going to have pumpkin pie, but just for breakfast. Right. But then like, is it just like the little slice of the normal slice of pumpkin pie? Or is it the quarter of the pie? Like, right. there's nobody there saying, okay, dude, stop. Exactly. You're good. You're and, good. It's, and it's your rules. You make it's them. It's my rules. It's like, well, <laughs> it's it's almost Thanksgiving. I can have what I want because I'm an adult and nobody's right. here to tell me that you can't have pie for breakfast. Exactly. <laughs> I have to support that theory. There's nothing better than pie with a cup of coffee. I mean, it really is. Yeah. It should be a breakfast food. But, you know, I think you make a good point about I'm an adult now and this is what, you know, I can do. But as an adult, we also feel kind of obligated to create our own rules And it's because food is everywhere during this holiday season. It's everywhere. Yes. Yes. It's ridiculous. And I know with COVID, a lot of us aren't in a normal office setting um, or going into our place of work. But think way back to last year. I mean, when the cookies start coming out, it's almost surprisingly early every time. All of a sudden, you know, Jane or, you know... Brenda comes in with her fucking family recipe. God knows what. And she just, you have you know, to try it. You have to try it. You have it. to try it. It's the you best ever. It. You have yes. to try it. Yes. You're going to love these. <laughs> and then they get offended when you don't try that. Even if you are trying to stick to your adulting rules, mm-hmm. you know, they don't let you, they don't let you do it because oh, you've got to try it and you've got to tell them how amazing it is. No, the shame around not accepting food from strangers or friends, whatever, relatives, is huge. It's huge. I don't even, I don't understand it. I don't understand how food started to translate into love and affection. And like, I am cooking this for you. And if you don't eat it, then that means that you don't love me or that you're not accepting my love. Yes. That, that trauma runs pretty deep in my family and I don't understand it. Mm -hmm. I, I had the, the privilege of, of, (laughs) being raised around um, somebody who's an amazing chef baker would make these huge, beautiful gourmet meals. I would eat one or two or four servings and Mm -hmm. then be offered more. And I'm like, no, I'm full. It's like, wait, what? You don't want any more. And then in the same sentence say, you know, you're gaining kind of, you're kind of getting a little big, you know, you might want to, you might want to look at that. I'm like, you just served me a freaking, not that it's, their responsibility. Like I take responsibility for what I put in my mouth, but it's, it's that whole dynamic of like shove the food in your mouth to accept Mm -hmm. my love. And then 20 seconds later, I'm going to with love tell Mm -hmm. you you're fat and you need to start dieting or something. Yes. What mixed messages we're giving to our children and even adults, this, this like message of, you know, you, you don't love me unless you eat my food, but also, you know, maybe you should take a look at how much you're eating. Well, I'm eating because you just shoved it in my face. Right. Well, it's fat free, so it's fine. That that is a whole other episode. (laughs) Um, I have a big, uh, you know, you, you were on your soapbox on one of our other episodes and um, that's certainly a soapbox for me, that low fat, 
sugar-free. I have family members who are now uh, type two type two diabetics because of this reason. Mm-hmm. Um, I absolutely despise that our society has created that superficial loophole for people like that. Um, you know, my my family will now sit down and eat an entire pie because it's sugar-free. And even right. though you try to tell them, you know, I thought you were still kind of struggling with diabetes and maybe that's not something. Oh, no, no, no. It's fine. It's sugar-free. Now right. they can drink an entire two-liter, you know, bottle of soda in one sitting because it's sugar-free. Yeah. So we're, I'm going to step down from that soapbox. No, you go ahead. Different thing. I, I um, had my, I had my glory in the sun last episode. You go ahead and step <laughs> right on top of that soapbox and sing it, sing it out loud because I it guess, is a travesty that our food industry has tricked people into thinking yes. that they're being healthy because there's no gluten or no fat or no yeah. sugar or no God knows what. And the reality is that yes, sugar is poison and it is poisoning our bodies at the amount that we're eating it in America. Mm-hmm. But it is a hell of a lot better than whatever that, what is that stuff that they put in it that it leaves uh, this taste in your mouth? Why do I want to say spiruline? It's right? something like that saccharin. I don't know, um, but don't whatever know. it is, it, like it's the stuff that makes you go to the bathroom too much. <laughs> <laughs> and it's like, well, what if your body is rejecting this at this yeah. level, it's not healthy for right. you. So either eat the pie and deal with it or don't eat the pie and deal with it. But why is the pie, why has it now been manipulated into this chemical warfare against our bodies? Now you got me on a soapbox, Genevieve. I know. I'm sorry. (laughs) And I'm just going to say one more thing and then step down. I promise. You go ahead. Uh, But coming from a purely biological standpoint, uh, you know, this stuff is poison for our bodies because despite how much progress our society has made and our our brains have been able to make in the information that we take in and and kind of adapt to our new environment our bodies are still very much the same machine that they were hundreds if not thousands of years ago and when your body doesn't recognize something it goes into kind of an efficiency mode where it says to itself I'm not really sure what this is right now, but I might need it later, so I'm going to store it. So those people who are consuming large quantities of fake sugar or chemically processed foods are actually gaining more weight because, again, biology, and I don't want to get too far in depth with this, but um, based off of what you eat at the same time with those unknown substances, your body tends to connect those molecules and store it all as fat together because it was, if you think of it as like an information processing center, it all came in on the same file. So your body's just going to say, oh, well, I'm not really sure what this thing is or why it's with this other buddy. So we'll just, we're just going to put this away until we know what we need to do with it. Right. Um, and so when people eat those large quantities of a especially substances that our primitive bodies are are unaware of what to do with it, Mm -hmm. it ends up doing so much more damage than it does good. And I'm stepping down now, but that's... So the message here is eat the real pie. Eat the real pie. (laughs) If you want to. If you want to. Yes. Just if you want to. Exactly. Mm -hmm. Yes. So now that we're both off of our soapboxes. We're on level ground. We're going to go back. Triggered <laughs> in- slightly, but yes. Off the soapbox. <laughs> back into level ground talking. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm sure this will only spur another soapbox conversation. Mm-hmm. But, you know, one of the things I hear a ton and have even 
fallen um, guilty of myself is that old adage, oh, no, thank you. I'm trying to be good this year. Have you ever done that when you're, you know, like given all of that food, especially at the office? I feel like this happens a lot, right? Mm -hmm. Like some coworker is always on the newest, trendiest diet and it's this, oh, no, I'm trying to be good this year. Right, right. Yes, this happens to me. This has happened to me. Um, I've done it. <laughs> I've said it. Mm-hmm. Um, usually for me, I'm white knuckling it through the holidays because um, I don't want to, as a person who used to weigh 260 pounds, I don't want people to think that I'm binging at their table. You know, like, oh God, here comes Sonia, hide the cookies. So I would say, oh no, it's okay. I, you know, I'm, I'm on a diet or I'm trying this new thing or I'm trying to be healthy. And then I'd go to the store and buy my own freaking pie, take it home and Absolutely. eat it in my closet. Right. So, I mean, yeah, I've, I've said it. I've said it to people. I've had people say it to me and I've, yeah. I've even been the, I've even been the one, God forbid, who's pushing the dessert because I don't want to be the only fat ass eating the pie at the tables. So I'm like, no, no, eat with me, please, please yes. join the chaos. Yes, yes, absolutely. And you know, I I bring that up, especially the term being good, because exactly what you've touched on, I think that it is an entirely society driven concept. And we feel so guilted into quote, being good. And Mm -hmm. I, I just I need to know your take on the where do you think this being good comes from? Like, what kind of mold are we trying to fit into? Oh, God. Are you, I don't know. I'm actually just giving you the soapbox to stand on. Holy, so. this is dangerous. <laughs> really dangerous. I just pushed it right next to your feet. Go you ahead. <laughs> Are you guys sitting down? Cause I'm ready. I'm sitting down. Okay. It all starts with the, in my opinion, it starts with the patriarchy and I'm sorry. I realize we just lost half of our listenership, but stay with me if you can. The patriarchy is not the men. That's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about the idea that women need to be, they need to fit into some sort of stereotype, some sort of mold. You need to have a certain body shape. You need to dress a certain way. You need to act a certain way. You need to be polite in a certain way. You need to show up with food. You need to be the proper hostess, the proper guest, the proper whatever. And the box is this, it's so fucking small that it's it's impossible to fit into. It is impossible. And so women... And I've, I've recently learned men as well, but I'm going to speak to the women right now, run around like crazy, trying to fit into this box, trying to have a certain body shape. It, it doesn't even matter if you're thin anymore. You have to have a certain shape. God damn Kardashians. I, yeah. What the fuck, man? I don't understand why your waist needs to be 20 inches and your butt needs to be 60 inches. I don't get that. Like if God made you that way fantastic. There are some gorgeous women out there that have little tiny tops and bigger bottoms. And that is beautiful. But when you're nipping and tucking and stretching and God knows what to yourself, and then you walk around all in these devices that make you even smaller and bigger and certain, I don't even fucking know, fake hair, fake lashes, fake nails. And then all these people are running around thinking, well, I need to look like that too. So then they spend billions, literally billions and billions of dollars getting fake tans, getting fake nails, getting liposuction, getting whatever. I mean, I'm going to tell you right now, if I had the money, I'd be liposuctioning the hell out of myself because I'm stuck in that freaking mindset that I need to fit into a box in order to do what? To attract a man? God bless them. But I'm pretty sure I could walk into a bar right now with my pants down and get a man. I don't need to be a certain size to do that. So why the hell are we trying to fit into this impossible box? 
Let me get to the point that you asked me for. <laughs> I'm so sorry. No, and so this sorry. is why I handed this, you the soapbox because so... I knew that you would <sighs> say it better than I could. Um, <laughs> I mean, all of my thoughts and opinions are just right in line with yours, but I knew that you would say it better and more passionately than myself. Um, the only thing I'm going to add on to that, because this is my own kind of pet peeve right. and annoyance is you know, when you ask, why do we need to do this? And who who are we doing it for? I think we've gotten to a point in society where we're not even doing it for the men anymore. It's for the other women mm -hmm. that are perpetuating this judgmental kind of concept of fitting yes. in the mold. And that's why I say, you know, at the offices or wherever you work in the break room, it's, you know, a group of five or six women all sitting there talking about which diet they're on and how yes. they're doing it and which fasting program they're on. And, oh, well, I'm just trying to be good. Good for who? Why? Just so that we can all sit here mm -hmm. and play fake to each other and then go home and eat and chug a gallon of eggnog because that's what we fucking really <laughs> wanted to Because we're sad because we're never going to look like that. We're sad. We're sad exactly. because we're never going to fit in and we're never going to feel like we belong. And so we're eating pie in a closet. And yes. I, I am determined in my lifetime to end the insanity of this. I don't know how, and maybe it's just in my own life. Like I'm not responsible for all of you guys, but if you pick this up and think, fuck that shit, I'm not doing that anymore. Because back to my original point, which is that the patriarchy is in charge of the advertising. Mm -hmm. They're in charge of all of that, that stuff that we get downloaded into our heads of like, this is the new, this is what you need to look like. Right. right? And so there's a bunch of men sitting in a boardroom coming up with these ideas about what the new body type is or the new diet or the new fucking tampons. Mm -hmm. The the boardrooms are full of men for female products like this. Mm -hmm. And then we get sold this and told that this is what we need to do in order to be acceptable. And we run out and spend billions of dollars trying to do it, including gluten-free, the zone. I don't know. I don't even know these diets because I just don't pay attention. But it's, anybody. It's very, very strategic the way that they advertise yes. this to us because then they take female celebrities or women in power that we look up to yes. to have them push it. You know, but they find these people who have the right image and who are supposedly pushing the right agenda and rhetoric and then plug them into a nice advertisement to mm -hmm. perpetuate this kind of new image that now you're exactly right. The patriarchy has established and created. And then they just so perfectly and strategically kind of enter it into our own female hierarchy system. Right. And we're so obsessed with our own bodies and, and how wrong they are that we're actually hurting ourselves in order to achieve these images or these ideals. And when I tell people I don't eat that, you know, and, and the holidays, it's not hard for me anymore, but the holidays used to be a very tricky <laughs> like minefield of mm -hmm. trying to navigate how to tell people no thank you. Mm -hmm. Now I'm just really insistent like no I don't eat that. And if and we're not having a conversation with it about it because it's none of your business. I'm in my right size body, I'm healthy. I and I don't need to explain myself to you. And if somebody doesn't like me because of the shape of my body, then they can go find somebody else. I I'm not mm -hmm. interested in having people in my life that are here because of what I look like. I want people in my life because of who I am, bottom line. And who I am is somebody who doesn't eat flour and sugar. 
bottom right. line. And I'm not eating flour and sugar, not because I'm trying to look like a Kardashian, but because I don't want diabetes. I don't want to be dead by the time I'm 60. I don't want COVID. I don't want cancer. I don't want any of these things that are going to hurt my life. So I choose not to eat it. Yes. And I, I think everyone deserves that at the core of everything. I mean, you've made these decisions. I don't love you any less. I would hope that you would kick me to the curb if I did love I you would. less or something like that. I um, we all deserve to be able to be the healthiest version of ourselves and have mm-hmm. people who love us for being that. And those people should yes. want you to be healthy and the healthiest version of yourself. Yes. I think that the reason that people take offense to saying no to things is because it shines a light on what they're doing, right? Mm-hmm. Like if, and I, I say this from personal experience, when I was eating pies in my closet, if I invited somebody into the chaos of my pie eating life, I, and they said, no, I immediately thought, oh God, I'm the fat ass. Like mm-hmm. I'm the one they said no, because they're making a smart choice or a healthy choice for themselves. And I'm the one who's eating the pie. So in order to make myself feel better, I'd be like, no, 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 just one piece. It won't hurt you. Just one yeah. piece. Because Absolutely. I I need them to, to accept the, the destruction that I'm doing to myself. And the way mm-hmm. that they're going to accept that is by joining in. So when, now that I'm on the opposite side of that, when people offer me something and I say no, and they get upset, I realize they're upset with themselves for what they're doing to themselves. Exactly. And that helps me to separate uh, myself from that situation. And I can just look at them with compassion and say, man, I hope you find recovery or something soon. I'm going to step away from this because I've already found that and I need to maintain that. Right. And I'm so glad you brought that up because I think that that is fantastic adulting advice to our listeners that it's really about you um, and it's not necessarily about them and everyone has their own stuff going on. And it's important to separate yourself, acknowledge the fact that they're probably struggling with their own relationships with either food or people or whatever is going on with their mm-hmm. life and that it it is not related to you. It, it's not that initial perceived reaction of guilting you into something and they won't love you. It, it's an entirely different beast and you're doing this for your own health. And it's important to just identify and recognize that you're making choices to better you. Um, and that it, it just doesn't, it does they don't matter. I mean, I don't mean to say that, especially if it's your best friend, but um, that disconnection of their opinion of what you're doing doesn't matter. Yeah. One of my favorite things uh, that somebody told me one time is somebody else's opinion of you is none of your business. And I, Love I, yeah, I hold on to that, especially during the holidays. Like it's none of my business, what they think of me. The only relationship that I really care about is my, my relationship with myself. Um, because without that self-love and without that relationship with myself, I am not available to others. Mm-hmm. And I also, when I don't um, pay attention to myself or my relationship with myself, I allow toxic people into my life. Exactly. So it's, it's, it's crucial. It really is. And, you know, I, I love the analogy that you used earlier of saying um, a mental minefield and trying to navigate those conversations with people. I have my own personal experience with a lot of that. And I, I went through very similar things. Um, You know, we, we both have had our relationships with food and, and I went to an eating disorder clinic when I was in my early twenties. 
Um, it's certainly something that I still live with today. I think food is that unfortunate thing where you will always have a relationship with it. Um, unlike other addictions where it's at least easier to avoid triggers and in areas where those activities are happening, food is something that you need um, in your life in order to live. So individuals who have relationships with food are constantly and forever and for the rest of their life asking themselves, am I doing the right thing? Do I really need this? Why am I eating it? What what am I eating? Should I have chosen it? It's so unfortunate, but that's kind of our reality. And, you know, in the early stages, I struggled with how to explain to my family why I didn't want extra pie or whatever the situation is. And, you know, for those listeners who are going through your own relationship issues, I want to give you an easy piece of advice for those in the early stages. It's okay to tell people, oh yeah, sure. Oh, maybe I'll go grab some later or I'll I'll just, um, not yet. I'm a little full from the last thing I ate, but maybe later. And I think that that kind of helps avoid that conversation and then prying into what is absolutely none of their business. Absolutely. You can also, um, my mom actually gave me this tip when I went to college and I used it constantly because alcohol and I don't agree with each other. I never have. I've never been good with alcohol. Um, But the pressure to drink is so intense in college. So she said, just grab one of those red dicky cups and walk around with it. As long as you look like you're drinking, nobody's going to offer you or care about it. Same with eating. If you walk around with an empty plate that has a fork and a napkin or whatever, it's annoying. But if you're in a situation where you you need to feel safe, you need to put yourself into a safe situation and you can't leave, which would be my first adv- piece of advice, just leave. Absolutely. If you can't for some reason, grab a plate, throw some crumbs on it, walk around. Because if you have that plate, people are going to think in their brains, she's been taken care of. I don't need to consistently badger her. If you walk around without anything, for some reason, people feel like they need to shove food in your hands. Mm-hmm. Like, oh, you need something because you you don't have it. So let me get you a cookie or let me get you a whatever it is. Um, and so that's sometimes that's what I'll do in situations like that, where I just I know that it's going to be a tricky situation. So I'll eat what I need to eat. And then I don't throw away my plate. And I'm like, yeah. oh, yeah, I'm going to go get some more. <laughs> which is so manipulative, but sometimes it's like, you just have to like, you know, try and save yourself in all of this. It's, it's absolutely true. Um, and it, you know, manipulative. Uh, yeah, I guess there's some truth in that. It's kind of an ugly word to use for it, I know, but I know. you know, society has been manipulating us the entire time and, and why not kind of play, play by their rules and use their own tricks to just get back to, to the healthiest version of yourself. Um, right. And right. that whole trick of eating, eating what you want to eat and then stopping is something I still struggle with. Obviously, um, you know, going to the eating disorder clinic, I struggled with bulimia. So my, my struggle is always with limit um, mm-hmm. overindulging because mm-hmm. when something's good, it's really good. And why not have more? Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, I'm still learning this kind of, this navigating of my relationship with food. But I think for me, part of being healthy and a healthy adult with food is eating when I'm hungry and doing my best to stop when I'm not. But in order to do that, you have to be really, really cognizant of your own body and be in tune with what you're feeling. And again, you know, I could circle back to this 
Those of us who have relationships with food will always be asking ourselves these questions, but it is important to ask yourself, why am I eating first and foremost? Am I hungry or am I just bored? Or in the situation of holidays, I don't know about you, but I tend to get anxious in larger group Mm -hmm. settings. I don't do well with a lot of people, especially this is going to sound awful, but with my family, sometimes we, you know, we have a lot of different opinions, especially political. And I find it difficult to navigate conversations and I don't have to talk so much if my mouth is full. So sometimes eating is just a social escape. And Mm -hmm. um, I finally had to get to a point where I'm asking myself, you know, are you eating because you're sad, you're lonely, you're anxious, you're bored? Um, those are all those those types of questions that I will never be able to to avoid or get away from. Yeah. Well, we have a, a little saying where I come from um, called HALT. And mm-hmm. it stands for hungry, angry, lonely, tired. Mm-hmm. And I put on the end of that board as well, uh, which doesn't make for a very good acronym. But it is, <laughs> it is uh, that's one of the reasons why I used to eat is because mm-hmm. I was just flat out bored. So if I go into a situation where I start to get emotionally hungry, because I still can't tell the difference between physically hungry and emotionally hungry, I ask myself, am I hungry? Am I lonely? Am I angry? Am I tired? Am I bored? And if the answer is yes to any of those, mm-hmm. other than hungry, obviously, I don't eat. Or what came to my mind, based on your last com- your last statement, is that there's a ritual around food, regardless of whether the ritual is toxic or healthy. And I think that uh, from my own experience, my ritual around being bulimic was almost, it was exciting. You know, it's like you sit down, you have 4,000 calories in front of you or whatever, whatever you have, and you just shove it into your mouth as fast as possible. Um, almost, well, I won't say that, but it just, you, you, the ritual around eating and then purging is mm-hmm. a ritual, even though it's a toxic one, right? Mm-hmm. The ritual around eating with your family at a table with blessed food that's organic or whatever, like the best, highest quality food, and you've eaten just enough to fulfill your dietary needs, and you walk away from that table feeling loved and supported and full in a good way, that is also its own ritual. And I feel like in America, or at least in my past, that ritual is missing. Mm-hmm. And we as a society, or at least the society that I was raised around, everything is fast. You sit down, shove it mm-hmm. in your mouth. I've got to go to soccer practice. I've got to go to class. I've got to go somewhere. I'm eating in the car. I'm driving through something because I don't have enough time. You sit down at the Thanksgiving table that has taken people hours to prepare all of mm-hmm. this food. And it's enough food for a goddamn army yeah. Sitting like you can't even get your plate in there because there's so many dishes around and mm-hmm. you're supposed to eat everything that's on the table because these people have prepared it and taken all day to prepare it. And then you shove it in your mouth in 20 minutes and it's all gone. And you're like, what the, what did, what, what is this tradition? What is this ritual that we're doing? I, I don't understand how we got to this point, but I am excited that we are starting to step away from it. Yeah, I agree. I, that's certainly going to be my goal this year as it is um, progressively more each and every year. But that that like hurry up and eat is mm-hmm. such a, oh man. At, I mean, so you certainly, yeah, you certainly, you know, kind of push buttons for me there because that's kind of what bulimia is, right? Like 
you know, this, we certainly are not here. And I hope that this doesn't trigger too many individuals that are listening. Um, but, you know, that binging portion of it does not happen over a long amount of time. We don't sit there and linger over the binging. It happens fast and you shove a lot in your face all at once. Um, and I think that that does have roots in this tradition, um, either in your own family or kind of through society. I mean, fast food businesses are prevalent everywhere. It's all about hurry up and eat, get, get mm-hmm. on to the next thing. And, and we all, I'm sorry, I'm sorry to interrupt no. you. We all have a tendency to binge and purge. I would, I would go, it would not surprise me if there was some sort of statistic that said that every single per, at least 90% of us, mm-hmm. and maybe you're not binging 5,000 calories and then going to throw up in the bathroom, but maybe you're binging 500 calories and then making a comment like, oh man, I need to go work out. Yes. That's a form of purging. Yes. Right. Or I'm going to binge today and not eat tomorrow. Or I haven't eaten for a day and a half because I know I'm going to binge on Thanksgiving. That is in itself a form of purging, which mm-hmm. I would think that at least 90% of us do, especially during the holidays. That's that's yeah. a that's a toxic uh, relationship with food. <laughs> yeah. And I'm glad that you brought up that point because I think people who are unfamiliar specifically with bulimia, but with other eating disorders, do see it in the black and white of overeating and then throwing up as the sense of purging, but that's not the case. It's any relationship of overindulging and then compensating. And that is absolutely part of our culture in, especially around Thanksgiving. When have you ever been to a Thanksgiving meal where at least one family member isn't sitting on the couch with their pants unbuttoned saying, Oh, I ate too much. I'll be hitting Mm -hmm. the gym later today. It's so commonplace and it's so much a part of our culture that it's almost not Thanksgiving unless you eat to discomfort. Absolutely. That's why the turkey trots are so prevalent, right? Mm-hmm. Like let's go run six miles before we go sit down. Now I'm, I'm pro exercise and it definitely makes me feel better to go exercise before a large meal. But the idea that you're going to shove as much food into your body as it will take mm-hmm. and then go work out in order to compensate for it. That's the, the toxicity that I'm speaking of. Absolutely. Or preparing to consume that much food. It can be on the front end too. If you are fasting your meals leading Mm -hmm. up to the Thanksgiving meal, it's just as much the same toxic relationship. Yes, absolutely. This is a lot. I know. (laughs) know. (laughs) Take us to a good place, Genevieve. Well, so that does bring us back to things that you can do to, to kind of counteract that. And that this can be done for those of us who, who do struggle with our own relationships or people who feel you have a good relationship with food, whatever the case may be. Um, I will always talk about mental health um, because I think it is so important in all aspects of our life. But taking the time for your mental health, um, the physical health will follow. And I never thought that to be the case, Uh, even through my own program. um, I was young and I was still kind of in the heart of it. And I was still, so to say, like in the eye of the storm and and the disarray and damage that my toxic behavior, both eating and otherwise had created was still kind of clouding that epiphany and that ability to get to the realization of how true it is to say, Um, That if you work on your mental health, the physical health will follow. 
Um, yes. And I don't, I don't know if you've experienced that yourself, but that's certainly something that I have realized um, recently, like within the last couple of years and um, even more recently reminded of now in a graduate program where my mental health is continually challenged and I'm seeing my physical health take a toll as a result. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, in, in the program that I attend, we um, have a saying that we came for the vanity, but we stayed for the sanity. And it it all boils down to we're in this program because we wanted to lose our weight. But what we found from recovery, and this is not a pitch for recovery. This is just my own example. I don't have control over food and I need a 12-step program in order to control what I put into my face. And for four years, I've been able to do that. And I'm very grateful for that. Some of the tools that I've learned from this program, I've I feel uh, have been helpful to other people in my life who have said like, how did you do it? And it's like, well, halt is one way to just like kind of touch base on why you want to eat. We, I walked into those doors because I was 260 pounds and I couldn't control my eating and I was just getting fatter. I lost the weight. And by losing that weight, I realized that that weight was on me because of the damage that, or the trauma in my life. Like that was a, that was a protective coat that I was putting on me on myself to to try and fill a void or a hole or whatever you want to call it um, because of the trauma in my life. And when I dealt with that trauma and I dealt with that those mental health issues, the food was no longer a problem for me. Yeah. So absolutely. Mental health is absolutely number one. Yeah. And I think that you are giving us an example of at least what I personally identify as one of the most adulting qualities, and that's self-awareness, the ability to to say and acknowledge that you are powerless over something in your life, that for whatever reason, your past experiences and your trauma. Genevieve, Genevieve, I'm sorry to interrupt you, but it's official. Biden is our president. (laughs) It's official. (laughs) Pennsylvania? Did it come in? I don't know. Hold on just a second. You're like, I have no idea. I just saw the news. My phone just blew up. My family's been on this group chat for the last, like, what, seven years now? No, seven days. (laughs) How long has this feels like seven years? (laughs) Oh, my God. Oh, hold on. It had to have been Pennsylvania. That's who we were waiting for, right? Hey, mom. Pennsylvania. I'm recording my podcast right now, and we're taking a short (laughs) break to celebrate the fact that we've been saved. (laughs) That's fantastic. All right. Thank you, Mom. Bye. Brilliant. Oh, I love it. This holiday will be a lot easier. (laughs) I don't have to move. (laughs) Yay. Oh, that's so exciting. We okay. are going to to continue to celebrate. Just keep in mind, it's not over yet. We no. know, we know, we know, we know that he is going to do everything in his power to fight this. I keep telling my uh, my family, can I get a live shot on Trump, please? Like, I just want a live feed from his wherever he is right this yeah. second. I want to see yeah. him on the floor throwing a temper tantrum. Oh, you know it's happening. I mean, full kicking and screaming. Yeah, people are getting fired. <laughs> Oh, sure. God. <laughs> oh god okay. okay so should we let's get back to our <laughs> yeah you know i think you bring up um what i consider to be the 
at least a personal example of what I think the most adulting is, and that's self-awareness and and the ability to be so self-aware that you know you're you're powerless over something because we all have our situations and w- whatever trauma you've experienced or whatever past experiences have molded you into being the person that you are today your ability to be so introspective and know yourself well enough to know that you're powerless over something that causes your life disarray and toxicity that to me is adulting in a nutshell and it's it's still something i am that work in progress on and i sometimes feel like i'm really on top of it and i've you know mastered it so to say and then i'm constantly reminded that there's no such thing of mastering that um, no. and kind of kicked back down off of my pedestal and had a nice little reality check but I think that it's very okay for anyone who needs to hear this right now. It is okay to be powerless over something. You're not weak because of it. No. And you're no less of a person. I would argue and tell you that you are even more of a person and strong because of your ability to recognize that you cannot have something in your life or else you become less healthy. Yeah. And I think that even beyond adulting, uh, I think, think that it's incredibly brave because the fear of giving up something that you not only love but depend on which is mm-hmm. what an addiction is is a de- it's a dependency mm-hmm. um i i remember getting into a fight with my dad over it like if you cuz he he did this program before i did and he came into my house with all this food that was healthy and green and beautiful and I remember yelling at him, like, get that out of my kitchen. And if you try to convert me into your cult, I'll never speak to you again. And he just sort of looked at me and was like, okay, I I hear you. I understand you because he had already been in recovery. So he knew where I was coming from. But I felt that it was a personal attack on me that Mm -hmm. he was getting healthy. Like, how dare he? Doesn't he know that we're a fat family and Mm -hmm. we eat pie for breakfast? And what the hell are you doing bringing this lettuce into our house? So, um, to look at that and say, not only do I need help because I'm powerless, but I will never, ever, ever put this substance in my body ever again is the scariest idea to wrap your head around that I still to this day don't know how I did it. Yeah, I don't know how I did it. I don't know how I'm continuing to do it. Because if I talk to anybody and say, I don't eat bread or sugar, flour or sugar, Mm-hmm. Well, what about um, almond flour? No flour. Well, what about corn flour? No flour. If it's ground down, it's a flour and I don't eat it. And the look on their face is like, I don't mm-hmm. understand the words that just came from your mouth. Yeah. So I get it. It's it's brave to say I am powerless. It's brave to walk through the doors and get help, whatever those doors are. It's all of those things are brave. It's brave to tell your family, I'm not going to eat that today. It's brave Mm -hmm. to tell your family, I don't need to explain to you why I'm not going to eat that today. All of those. Yeah. All of those things are very brave. And if you are taking that, if you're doing that this year, bravo. On the flip side, it's not my um, job to police you or what you're doing. And, and it's not your job to police what other people are doing. So if you decide that 2020 has is just the year where you're going to be in a gutter doing whatever it is that you're doing, then, then do it. That's you. 
that's your life yeah. and your decisions and bravo, whatever. Yeah, I I 100% agree with you. I still have those moments of balancing act and um, being forgiving to myself and, and friendly to myself and allowing myself to focus on um, kind of my mental health more than my physical health. Um, and of course, you know, as we mentioned, mental health, you know, if you get the mental health, the physical health will come. Mm -hmm. If you need to lay on the couch all day um, in order to get back to a mentally healthy state, mm -hmm. then that's just what you need to do. And, it, and it's okay to be in, in that state. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Trigger warning. Um, as we're giving this kind of advice to people based off of personal experiences, and this is entirely my own personal experience. I'm not mm -hmm. speaking for Sonia and I'm hopefully not speaking for anyone else, but for those of you who are in a place where you are just starting this journey or you've struggled with your food relationship for a really long time, I know that for me, the message after years of therapy <laughs> that finally came out was, I don't deserve to be happy. Mm -hmm. And I just want to tell everyone out there, you absolutely deserve to be happy. Yeah. 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 You deserve to be happy. You deserve to be safe. You deserve to be loved unconditionally, regardless of your rituals or habits. Mm -hmm. um, you absolutely, every single person on this planet, even the people who I dislike, deserve that. Yeah. And that's very big of you to be able to say. Mm -hmm. I'm, you know, still struggling with that. And there's resentment is a really ugly oh. thing. Um and it's almost unavoidable. And for those of you who have mastered it, tell me your secrets. Um, I still try. I still struggle a lot with uh, resentments. I know mm -hmm. I finally come to realize through my own programs. Um, you know, we used to say that resentments are unspoken expectations. Mm -hmm. um, normally, it's because we expected somebody to act a certain way without giving them the information that they should have acted this way. And then when they let you down, that's when we resent them. Right. Right. So I'm trying, trying really hard to avoid that. Yes. Expectations lead to resentment for sure. Yes. And I think that uh, one of the adulting moments in my life where I thought, wow, I really, I adulted the shit out of that was when I was able to forgive people who hurt me. And, um, and forgive them for hurting me without the expectation that they were going to say, I'm sorry. Yeah. Big. I, yes. It's, yes. it's huge. And I, I no longer have to eat over that, um, which is great. It doesn't mean that I'm not going to experience that again in my life, but for now, the people who I felt the most betrayed by, I have spent years in therapy forgiving. And I am now to a place where I have forgiven them. And, um, and the resentment is gone for them. And I don't have to eat over that, which is 
great. I know I just repeated myself, but uh, it just it it still blows my mind that I have been able to achieve this. And I'm not trying to say that I'm some sort of saint or whatever. I worked my ass off to get to this place. And my mission was to get here. So uh, I did the work that I needed to do in order to do that. And it is a beautiful place, you guys. <laughs> it's yeah. a really beautiful place. If you can get here and you're willing to look at your demons and you know, you're willing to take responsibility for your own actions in, in whatever that situation is and let go of the resentment and heal. It is the most beautiful place. And you can walk into any holiday party and very confidently say, nope, not going to eat that today. But thank you so much for offering. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, we've spent a lot of time talking about uh, mental health and emotional triggers and emotional trauma. Um, but you know, from personal experience and certainly what I see play out in the world, just like you said, you know, when it's gone, I don't have to eat over that anymore. And that's, mm -hmm. I know for me, a lot of where the eating comes in and it doesn't even have to be trauma necessarily. You know, it could be, like I said earlier, that you just aren't great at parties. So you're just going to kind of fill your mouth so you don't have to talk to anyone. And right. Um, so I think the point that we're, you know, circling back to and, and trying to kind of make the message <laughs> uh, for this holiday season is that food may be all around you, but it's the people you surround yourself with that really matter. Yes. Yes, it absolutely is. The people who are who are going to support you and love you no matter what and the non-toxic people. That's in, right. In your life. For That's sure. right. So our challenge to listeners and anyone who stumbles across this is to let's take the holidays back. Let's make it more about relationships and less about food. Oh, yes, please. Yes. yes. Please. It's a really beautiful place to be in, you guys. I've done it for a couple of years now and it feels it it the the anxiety around the holidays is for the most part gone for me because I no longer associate it with food. Yeah, I have to agree. I'm getting there as well. And, um, you know, one of the things that got me there was realizing, just like we've said throughout this entire program, healthy relationships do not rely on your eating habits. And mm -hmm. getting yourself healthy should not come at the expense of your relationships. Right. Um, but those people who don't support you or who make it challenging for you are the ones that you really need to reevaluate whether or not they are there to help and if they're really relationships worth having in your life. Yeah, full disclosure, you will lose people. It's very true. I think in any mm -hmm. path to bettering yourself, you will lose people. Yeah. Um, and it's a really hard pill to swallow in the beginning. But once you're on the other side of it and you're thriving the way that you've always hoped and envisioned yourself to thrive, mm -hmm. you'll see you'll see why it's worth it. Absolutely. They weren't your people to begin with. That's right. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, one of my last messages uh, to all of us in the process of making the holidays about personal connections and less about food is next time you go to that holiday party with your baked goods, um, really mm. ask yourself who you're offering the food to because you never know who's struggling with their relationship with food. Um, you you don't know who's going through what and maybe you've had a family member or a niece or nephew or aunt or anyone, friend, um, 
a stranger that is currently struggling and in the depths of some really dark and toxic relationship mm -hmm. with food. Um, so even the smallest gesture or smallest, what you perceive as an innocent guilt trip to try and get them to eat may just put them into a tailspin of anxiety. Absolutely. Please look at it as if you were offering a cigarette to somebody who just stopped smoking or a drink to somebody who just stopped drinking. It is exactly the same thing. I can speak yeah. to this from personal experience. The desire to eat flour and sugar is so strong, especially in the beginning, that it is almost impossible to say no. So mm -hmm. if you offer something to somebody and they very respectfully say, no, thank you, drop it. <laughs> Drop it like it's hot because <laughs> for them, it could be a matter of seconds in you know diving back into their toxic uh, relationship with food and the toxic habits. I mean, there have been times in my life where people have offered me food and I've said no and they keep offering. So mm -hmm. I eat it to the point where I'm sick and then I go and throw up. Yeah. And I feel like if somebody was to see the end result of that offer, not that that's their responsibility, but there, I don't have control over food. And so if I say no, I mean, no, I can't eat that or I will end up sick right. and, and doing bad things to my body. I don't want to have to tell you that. I don't want to have to tell you I've struggled with bulimia since I was seven years old. Right. <laughs> so, so just if I say no, or if anybody else says no, just drop take it that, like it's hot. <laughs> drop it like it's hot because it is fucking hot it's very hot it's very hot, hot. hot it's dangerous so just leave it alone well we are done uh triggering, oh, triggering each other um and any listeners um but you know what this year uh, let's let's just give hugs not cookies yes oh if we can hug i don't know with covid yes that's that's a good point um, elbow bumps elbow bumps, some kind of personal connection gesture that yes. does not revolve around food. Yes. And when we don't have to social distance, yes. let's normalize hugs over cookies. I love that. Thanks so much for joining us. Look for this and other episodes on Apple Podcast, Google Podcast, and Spotify. Visit letsadultpod.com now for more information on episodes, how to support us, and where to follow us. And don't forget to rate, like, subscribe, comment, and share so we can continue to ask the question, are, are we, we adulting, adulting yet? yet? <laughs>